welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind. Myself, Owen Harrison, Jeff Neville and Tom Savage. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in the upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. Well, the big off-field news in PSO world this week is uh, Jeff is unavailable. Yeah. Re- refusing to join the podcast again. I know. It's just, he's kind of big timing us now. He is. He is. Well, I, I kind of I heard that it's actually just it's it's actually nothing to do with him big timing us. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I heard that he's got a little dog, a small little dog that he's got, and like if you look at the screen over there to your left, I know it's blank, but he's actually there in that room, and you can probably hear him giggling as we're doing this. So if you hear any inadvertent giggles coming from the like, he just doesn't want to come on. He's just like the screen is there, but. He just doesn't want to come on. I mean, it is a cute puppy, but like, it's what time is it? It's ten to nine. Like, should the puppy not be asleep? He just won't leave the puppy alone. I know. It's an it's it's a nice puppy. We all like puppies. But this is serious business. This is serious podcasting we're doing here. Yeah, I mean, well, the other thing was obviously the the email from his agent saying that he needed a budget for uh, hair and makeup. I'm surprised that creative artist artist agency even took him on, but apparently, apparently, that's it. I mean, and it seems a rather large budget now for for Jeff. To be fair, four K per episode. I know. Yeah. I mean, like, and he wants to shoot in in HD, four K HD. Won't suit me. No, no, it won't suit no. me either. But you know, no. once you're a TV star, you get to make all these outrageous demands. I know. I know, like as in, because like I'd heard, I mean, like in the in the email, the, the the agent did say that he was on TV, that he like that he is kind of, you know, a big time TV star now. And that's like, I mean, it is it is technically true, but like, I don't understand why, like the agent has to be in the WhatsApp group now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel I can't, I can't it's swear maybe much. as freely as what I would have done. Yeah, I mean, I know Jeff needs someone now to filter his messages so he doesn't come across as too anti-Leinster in the WhatsApp group. But I know actually bringing the agent in was a bit much now. Yeah, I think the actual the agent actually I think represents Craig Doyle over in over in London as well. So like it's you know that that whole Leinster thing has got we've got to try and work something out here because he never actually properly apologized for that stuff either. I recall, but the agent kind of forced her hands, so it's like what do we? We can't leave him. We can't leave him off. Except in this issue where he's he's just not on because look the puppy was in the writer, we had to provide it and he's giggling away there like and looking like I said it is a cute puppy but there we are. What did you do? Did, oh, actually, we were in the same place this weekend. We were. You and me, We didn't even say. We didn't didn't, didn't even, even say, say hi because again I, I was big timing <laughs> you because I was up I was up in the press box. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of, of why why I don't want this in HD, um, I was up schmoozing in the press box as I do um, for this game against the Sharks. And um, I was talking with Barry Murphy of, you just, know, Monster Rugby. Just a casual name drop there, listeners. Monster Rugby fame. Hermitage Green. Uh, Potholes and Penguins, another podcast he's on. I was chatting to him and Dan Mooney, book writer, air traffic controller, radio commentator um, for Limerick Live 95. They were doing the radio. Now, I wasn't doing the radio today. Um, but I was in there chatting to them before the game. So they were about to get started doing their radio. And I said, well, I'm going to go over here and I'm just going to eat the, the chicken curry that they kindly brought up for me because I just missed out in the press in the press area, but they brought me up a box of it. Fair play to them. So I said, I'll just eat my chicken curry in peace. <laughs> Little did I know that um, Dan Mooney and Barry Murphy were going to take a selfie. Because Dan does that um, before games. Um, whoever he's doing comms with, he does that. So he puts it out on Twitter. Brilliant. Great. Next thing anyway, I start to see little pings of people in my Discord server during the match. I'm just like, this is not unusual. So I go in and have a look and I'm saying, what the fuck is this? The most hideous fucking picture of me that I've ever seen, ever, of me eating curry looking like I'm 80 years of age looking like there it was that to it yeah. just was, like was like the I, old man le- lean forward the old man yeah, you could lean almost forward. hear the slurp you could hear me slurping picture. it fucking awful my god 
So then I just I had no choice but to just lean into it. So just like, you know, fuck it, I'll just post it. Get it out of the way before other people do. And it was like, oh, humiliating. So I showed herself when I got back after the game. And she was just like, oh, my God. That's just the fucking worst. It's a genuinely awful photo. It really is. Um, but yeah, other than that, the game is fine. We were staying in the same hotel as the Sharks. And um, they're very big guys. <laughs> <laughs> really big guys and like um before i went to the stadium i was i, pa- I passed out this guy um who i recognized because i'd done a bit in him before the game uh for my for my patreon i mentioned george crungia i hope i'm pronouncing that name right he's a new new enough player for the sharks but like he's six foot three athletic looking guy and i'm thinking fuck it he's a big dude as I was walking to the to the game, I saw him again at breakfast. But when I was walking to the game, I was just like, geez, like these are all big guys. And oh, there's that guy that I was I was looking at. So he was also the guy during the game that Edwin Adogbo absolutely fucking ragdolled. Oh, the little I'm I'm gonna dump you <laughs> my shoulder back into the rock and then just steal the ball from you. Yeah. That and I was just like, How fucking big is Edwin Adogbo? If that like it's like it you know like when when you go to games you see the scale of these guys and it's like it becomes very real like you know looking at like RG Snayman for example you're thinking okay look he looks big on TV but like in person you're just like what the fuck is going on here like it's like you're thinking this like his optical illusion or something but that was a weird one for me because I remember thinking that guy oh geez that that that's a big guy and then to see him like so ragdolled like that by Edwin Adagbo the twenty year old. The guy he's in the academy and was like what the fuck is this um, but yeah it was an interesting kind of 4D look at the game I got uh, on Saturday I was yeah no, I was down at the game as well I brought my um, my daughter and, and my wife came as well the three of us went down to the to the match um, and like that my daughter I she was asking me beforehand who you know now that you know which of the monster players to look out for and I was saying like oh yeah you know I was going through someone and I said and then there's Edwin I said he's he's young, but he's really good. You keep an eye on him. And she's like, which guy? Which guy is he? He's the guy with the red scum crap. <laughs> and then she was like, "Ooh, he's a big boy." <laughs> and, but you know what? Right, last year he was listed at six foot five, and I didn't believe it <laughs> because it's like he's bigger than six five, and this year he's listed at six six, which is more believable for me. But I still think it's not accurate. Because for some reason he plays bigger. He looks height wise, he looks smaller because he is actually so wide. Yeah, it's very unusual. He 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 has that body shape that it's like he's he's nearly the same width as he is tall. Like a big <laughs> like a big giant fridge. Yeah. It's just it's exactly. so, so weird. It's it's very weird. But yeah, no, we had a we lovely time. Um, went down, had lunch on the way, and where'd you where'd you yeah. go for lunch? I stopped off in Care, went and went back to the nineteen eighties, and stopped off the Galtimore Inn. Oh, had, had lunch, <laughs> had lunch in the Galtimore Inn. I'll give them a plug if they want to sponsor us. More than welcome. Um, the free car was a carvery we talking about here. Uh, no, I had steak and uh, pepper sauce. Nice, nice classic. For a while, classic. like when I was super broke, I used to have pepper sauce as soup. So there you go. I it was actually the first time my daughter had pepper sauce and is now converted. She was a curry and gravy girl, now converted. Corn to sauce, sauce, yeah. No, I'd have it. it as, I, I I would have it, and I have had it as soup. <laughs> Tasty. Tasty. <laughs> <laughs> so about all this this rugby that we have going on, there was there was the start of the URC, and um, we go down to the games for the Irish provinces. We'll start in the order that they were. Uh, Zebra 36 Ulster 40 a strange strange very game. weird game I remember you sent a text because in, in, I, I was in the middle of getting ready to leave at this point and I remember you sent a text in the WhatsApp group kind of going are Ulster in trouble <laughs> and I was like looking at the different scores coming in I was just like maybe they are <laughs> it seemed like one of those very weird like early season games where literally anything is happening and it's like anything could happen and Ulster just seemed as and, and believe me I'm, I'm an expert in woe because I've, I've been a, a Munster rugby supporter for many years it seemed that they were 
poisoned by Woe in the opening 40 minutes where it just seemed that anything that could possibly have gone wrong for them did go wrong. And defensively, they were giving up huge line breaks. Like they were making mistakes in attack and it just felt that Zebra looked actually really good. And were, for me, unfortunate not to win this game. Um, and Ulster just felt that, and this is only from the outside looking in, it just felt vibes look a bit off there. Like yeah. just in general, if it, now, they turned it around and they looked dangerous whenever they had a bit of sustained possession, but it looked like fucking vibes aren't great there. And like, that's could be completely wrong. Vibes could be fucking sky high. They could be <laughs> best they've ever been. <laughs> best just, vibes ever guys. It just, it just felt, and it just felt just looking at the game from the bits and pieces that I saw of it as I was getting ready. Cause I was looking on URC.tv, which if you are not a subscriber to, you probably should be because you can get to watch all these games as I did just popping in and out. Um, and the uh, it just felt that fuck up. What's going on here? It just felt that there was the kind of things that happen when vibes are bad, when vibes are in the toilet. It, that's, there was a couple of things that surprised me. Well, number one was the zebra performance. Um, I think I said it last week. Ulster needed a a good win. They didn't need necessarily need a massive win. They didn't need to win by thirty forty points, but they needed it not to be close. And that's what it was. <clears throat> and that's not a good thing. Um I think next the the other or the next surprise that I had was that Ulster's Mall was just Zebra stopped it. And Zebra got good, good yardage out of their own attacking mall. It's actually and for, for Ulster if that continues throughout the season, given how yeah, like they were last year in it. Completely. And then you could see that this was a game that Zebra, if they were even a lower to a mid-team, lower to lower to mid-tier table team, they would have won. Yeah. You look at the you look, they got the yellow card right at the end. They took what was it, three penalty three scrum penalties, got the yellow card, and then went for the tap and go. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Seriously, yeah, it was. They were probably like one to two scrums away from getting a penalty try and winning the game. Like they could have got a penalty try on the next scrum. Yeah, and they were like, down a man. They, they had Ulster down a man, and it was just like, why, why do you do this? Clarity wasn't there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's yeah, it's it's a weird one because like I do feel that Ulster are much better than what they showed here, both like in actuality and on paper, because they had a decent team out. You know, you've got a few new combinations there. Uh, Tom Stewart looks like he's going to score fucking 700 million tries for Ulster. Like, he's... Honestly, he just keeps scoring tries. It's actually ridiculous. <laughs> like, not even just the mall tries that I, I honestly think should be marked down as pack <laughs> on the scoreboard. Same but way like, you get penalty try. Yeah, pen. Yeah. You just put pack in brackets at the end of it. But, like, I think that, like, his try scoring and his actual just his all-around game is looking very very good at the moment and I just uh, like that he was a bright spark um, but I just feel for Ulster at the moment it's just like I think halfback they need to work something out there Um, I just think their overall attacking structure for me needs a bit of work and not just the structure but the concept of the game they're playing I think they're built to play a very physical game the guys they've signed they've spent a lot of money in the pack front five and a really heavy back five in Dave yours, like as in he's a, a loose forward, but like he might as well be a, another lock. Um, and like that gives them the option to play very, very heavy. You know, they'll be they'll improve obviously when the likes of Stuart McCloskey comes back in, he's a top player. But I just feel that they are from a concept perspective looking to try and do two juxtaposing things where you're trying to expand the attack, but the guys you've signed are just massively heavy players who are there to grind it out. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see more of them, obviously. Um, this this could have just been a bad performance, like a bad day at the office. Plenty of teams have had that in Italy and come away and had decent seasons. So we'll have to wait and see. But I, I think, think that for you know, for Ulster, I don't know. Not the not not the great performance they wanted to kickstart the season. No, I, I don't think it was even a solid performance. I think, as you said, like their attack to me was just disjointed. There was the the heavy stuff with the forwards, and I know they don't have all their forwards back yet that they need, and they I they're going to need the likes of 
Marty Moore, Tom O'Toole, they're going to need Henderson back into that tight five to be competitive, properly competitive at the top end of the table this season. But it seemed to me like, okay, the forwards do their bit and then we'll give it to the backs eventually and they'll do some nice stuff when they have front football. But it's there's nothing built with cohesion there. It's almost like, okay, we've done our part. Doesn't matter where we are on the pitch or what's happening. Now you do yours. Yeah. And the at times I felt sorry for Jake Flannery um, at 10 because he had some lovely touches. He had some nice offloads and he kept the ball running. There was some lovely pullback passes. But at times you're a passenger because of the style of play with the number nine dictating this is the game of management. What I was ta- what I was kind of talking about in that a lot of what Ulster do seems that they'd look at a ten like a bit like Andre Pollard as being perfect for what they do. Um, not that they're a massive kicking team because I don't actually think they are, but I don't know. It feels like they need that, that they're like their ten almost isn't is a sort of a passenger role to a certain extent where they have to kick goals they have to kick the ball on the line obviously um, but it just feels that they're there to jump on opportunities or extend the line of the forward pressure um, you know off 10 for example or you know spread the ball wide if needs be whereas a lot of their game seems to be grinding across the defence and the guys they've signed seem to be like they seem to be doubling down on that and trying to make that better than what they had last season. Like they have yours, Stephen Kitchoff, they make that game better for them. And obviously their scrum will be improved as well. So it just yeah, feels I that think- Jake Fannery is in a bit of a tight spot in that. But then again, they, they, you know, Dan McFarland seems to like that sort of 10 because I think Flannery and, and Billy Burns are of a similar, they're of a similar type. Yeah, there's some similar characteristics and, and styles there. I think once they get McCluskey back, what it offers them is the 10 to distribute the ball to 12 to crash it up, to extend the forward play. And it's almost like Ireland where you use that inside centre as an extra back row to facilitate the the heavy plays when needed. It seems to me that you're with the players that they have, particularly in the back three, um, they're not necessarily getting the best out of them. And if they can somehow develop that, game around to bring those players into it more when the time is right then they can be a, a real force on it but I think they need to go yeah. lighter in the pack to get that out of them though and that kind of goes against the core principle they seem to be doubling down on to do that yeah, and the other one well the, the the thing that I thought that they they tried a little bit of that against Zebra where they put uh, Matty Ray into the second row um, and seemed to be going with a, a lighter build there, but it didn't necessarily work out for them. And I think the other thing is that, and we said it last week, I think the Ulster with their financial problems that came out there in the last week or two in terms of the La Rochelle stuff and just the overall cash flow problems that they've had, it puts their squad in a real position now where they don't have that strength and depth that they mm-hmm. need. So they they need to keep their play, their key players fit and healthy for the big games and that's going to be a bigger problem for them they're not going to have that depth yeah because you're, t- you're thinking about one or two injuries but I mean, which always happens <laughs> just it always does uh, could put a lot of problems their way yeah completely yeah. they have Bulls now on Sunday evening uh, the Bulls got off to a very good start now down in South Africa obviously but they, they beat the Scarlet 63-21 bit of a tonker looked very fucking physical doing it yeah <laughs> as you'd expect from the bulls i mean that's that's yeah. kind of what they do but yeah they, they're not exactly subtle really are they no they looked <laughs> they looked very good now they have struggled traveling last season mm. i think definitely they'll obviously want to turn that around this year Um, they're still going to be dangerous in loftus versfeld because they're big giant fucking human beings and they beat you up while you're struggling to breathe it's, you know not, not a great place to be but that's going to be a good game, I feel, because like Ulster need to turn it around. Um, I think the Bulls will look at what they saw in Parma and think that's beatable, um, especially with the, the size and power that they have. That could be a very sticky game for Ulster. Yeah, I think it it depends what, what Ulster <laughs> shows up to, to a degree. If you get the Ulster that showed up against Zebra, then you're you could be in trouble, and mm. I think a lot could depend on the first 15 20 minutes. If the Bulls think that they're in with a shout 
and they have a they have a chance in it, it might just bring enough out of them. If Ulster can snap them early and sort of take away that sort of <laughs> take away the hope a little bit, it'll do it. The other thing that might play into this is this is the this is Ulster's first time playing on the new three or four G pitch. Yes, and that's always a difficult one to get a proper grasp on because you can train on it because most teams do train on on 4G pitches now. Most teams have access to them. Um, But playing on it as your home pitch, your primary home pitch, takes time to get used to because obviously it plays much quicker. It affects your ability to play a certain type of game, I feel. I think that if you start to play a slow game of rugby on those pitches, it shows up more. Um, so I think Ulster will like. I, I don't think Ulster played the quickest brand of the game going. So that'll be interesting to see how that works out. But um, yeah. Plus, I I just find as well it just leads to like quicker games, more physical games. Like for whatever reason, it just seems that way. Um, but it'll take getting used to for Ulster. It'll be. I think it'll be. It won't be a massive factor, but I think it'll be something they'll have to. You know, they'll have to equate for coming into this game. Yeah. I think so. The in on the injury news, it's uh, only Angus Curtis. Uh, he went off with a uh, for a HIA, so he's on return to play protocols this week and misses out. Will Addison, obviously, back for the first time properly in almost two years. Great to see. Um, so he got through. Um, well, not sure if he played for the full eighty minutes or not now, but um, he uh, at least got through the game, so he's available again this week. Who are you going for? This one, I'm going to go for the Bulls. Um, now they let me down a lot last year. <laughs> I thought that the Bulls were were going to be a, a much bigger threat than what they ended up being. They were semi finalists year before, or no finalists year before, weren't they? Yeah. Um, beat Leinster um, in the RDS. Um, yeah. so I felt they'd be a much bigger threat than what they ended up being last season. Uh, but I think looking at how strong and how like they've got some talent to come back into that team as well. By the way, like. I just think that they've got the the power. If Ulster are a little bit off or they're a bit disjointed, I think the Bulls have the power and the very direct game to hurt them. And I think the Bulls, with the pace they have in their in their team, even with the guys they have missing, might be actually better suited on that home pitch than what Ulster would be at the moment. So I think Ulster maybe started slow last week. I'm going to go with a, with a, with a Bulls win. I'm not sure it's going to be a big dominant win for them, but... I think it'll be a great win for Ulster if they if they can pull it around. Yeah, I I think it's going to be two teams playing a similar type of game, trying to get dominance up front and then release the backs out. Um, I agree with you. I think Bulls have a good chance. Bulls are on. I think they're are they playing their four four games away. They're, this is the start of their tour. So that, like they play their four games away and then they don't have to come back to the Northern Hemisphere till March or April, I think it is. Yeah. So, so they they need they need a decent start, but I'm I'm gonna go Ulster on this. I I still think if if it's the Ulster with their home form chance of last season where they were actually playing some sort of cohesive thing, I think if they can get a decent start, they should have an, just enough to see by um the Bulls. So I'll go for a narrow Ulster win on that. Um, next up we have Connacht who had a 34-26 win in the Jeff Neville sports ground on Saturday afternoon oh there was um, there was there was a game played that day I thought it was just Jeff and the yeah. team no it was doing more than a screen test apparently on Saturday oh yeah. very interesting so uh, um, the, um, I, I thought this game looked like the prototypical opening day of the season game for Connacht in the sports ground. Do you know they always had that game? This is this was that game. <laughs> <laughs> and it always seems to be against either Glasgow or Ospreys for whatever reason. It just seems to that's always seems to be how it goes. They played um played some nice rugby. Um I like the look of what you call it, uh Joe Joyce. I think he'll be a good good yeah, player for them. He this seems year. to he seems to have signed to for Connacht like fucking before the last World Cup of Fields. <laughs> <laughs> and he's finally arrived. Um it's you know, I think good good signing. Good, like he's in, he's got good size, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, I think this Connacht looked actually pretty good here. Now the Ospreys are missing a few players, obviously, but they will be continuing to miss to miss a few players. 
um because they're they're missing the likes of Alan Jones, they're missing a couple of other lads too. Um, but yeah, no, I think that it was a great, it was a, actually a really credible win for Connacht. I think at the opening opening day of the season, you know, look at how like the potential banana peel that was there. But um, they had a bunch of new coaches in, basically all ball guys with beards, bar Mark Sexton, and um, yeah, good win for them. To be fair, I was thinking of shaving my head and just seeing if I could rock up to go away and just be. We should, a, we, should we should just try it. Just walk in, just like <laughs> keep it on. Wear Connacht gear. Yeah. Just speak, yeah, just speak, arrive. Speaking an Australian accent, just like, yeah, just go straight through. <laughs> straight um, through, Mr. Fardy. And you also, Mr. Fardy, you go through there as well. I'm actually John Muldoon. Uh, <laughs> um, I thought, yeah, the two the two JJs stood out for me. Um, Joyce and uh, JJ Hanrahan. Um, I thought both had really good games. I thought Joyce, um, as you said, just gives them a, a little bit more oomph in the, the tight five, gives them other options there that they'll need against some of the bigger teams. Um, and then Hanrahan, I thought he looked really good in Connick style. They they held on to the it, ball it quite a bit. It seems to perfectly suit what JJ's always been really good at. You yeah. Know? Like, this is the thing with, with, with JJ Hanrahan, like for me anyway. I don't think he suited what Munster needed in his second spell because Munster's style at the time was so was, was such a, a chameleon style every week, do you know, where it would change every week. He's not the type of guy who, as was often asked of him, to control a game through the boot. That's not his game. He was no, often was asked by, say- by, by Stephen Larkham at the start of a week. We're kicking a lot this week, lads. <laughs> and that, for me, didn't suit what JJ Hanron is is good at. And um I think at Connacht, he's actually a perfect fit for what they like to do. I I would almost call JJ an eleven because he's not quite he's not quite a ten and he's not quite a twelve. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's kind of <laughs> not not, not quite a winner. Yeah. But he's like he's he's like I, I think his his skill set is just and like this, this might continue. This might actually constitute a hot take here. I think that he might well end up starting ahead of Jack Harry this season, as the season progresses, because I think that Jack Harry obviously is a great player, has been a great player for Connacht. I think he's about their all-time top scorer. I think JJ has a higher level in him than what Jack Harry does on a consistent basis. And I think that if that plays out this season, I see JJ being a core starter for Connacht as they get into their their uh, their European campaign and the the main main bones of this URC season. Because um, I think that from a style match perspective, I think he's ideal for them. Yeah, I think Carthy has higher, much higher peaks than JJ. I would say, um, I would agree with that. Yeah. But I think overall, the the, 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 the troughs are there as well. You you see, we've we've seen the mistakes and the game management issues that Carty has had, and that's not to take away from him. He's such a good player, but at times he he can he can almost win you or cost you the game. You're you're not quite sure what's going to happen. Where you can get it, as you said, you can get that consistency level maybe out of JJ that will do it. I thought Cahill Ford at twelve was looked really good. Looked really really good. Like. He, I think, didn't they, didn't Ireland use him at ten for a bit in that under twenties championship in that COVID year? Mm, yeah. Um, I think he's better suited as a twelve, just because he's athletic enough for there. Like he's a, he's got a, he's a, got a, he's a, a decent ball carry on him. He's a, kind of a quite a complete player, but he's got that playmaking style and that kicking option as well. Um, he's actually a very high potential player. I think Colin Ford is. Um, I I think Connacht have a, a, a lot of guys there around sort of the likes of you can use Carty, JJ, Hawkshaw, Ford, and then you can put the, the likes of Aki or someone outside them to give him that you, real you, bit of you, punch. You can, you can put a like a, a real hitter outside him. Yeah. With with those two guys there, because they'll they'll create for you. They'll 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 drop into layers, they'll switch positions, they'll both can yeah. screen really well if they need to. Um and then you just kind of have to worry about putting athletic options outside them. I think Connacht have a lot of that because they do have a lot of speedy outside backs. Oh, they certainly do. They've made sure they have many of those. 
Now, the, the, the only area of concern I talk about for Connacht, and this may seem very harsh considering he got a hat-trick in it, was scrum half with Blade. He was excellent on attack. The <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me, the, tra- the trailer lines, everything that he was running off it, but some of his decision-making and things like that were not the best. See, um, for, and- for me, and like this is a like my own personal preference when it comes to scrum halves, like tries they score are great, right? But I kind of disregard them for the most part. For me, it's about your consistency rock to rock from a pass quality perspective. How consistent are you? Because if you're up and down there, you might score a few tries or if you're a goal kicker, for me, that masks a lot a lot of very incomplete nines. They score a lot of tries or they score a lot of of point of you know points from the tee. And you might say, Oh, well, look, isn't aren't you supposed to score points in this game? You are. But for me, the scrum half, you have to facilitate and you have to be rock to rock, super consistent. And your kicking has to be super consistent. And if your pass quality is up or down, you might score tries. And like you might once the once the ball leaves your hands, you're nearly better. But to me, mm. your 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 basics of your job are can you Go rock to rock. Can you hit the exact point you need to consistently over and over again for 80 minutes if need be at the highest level in different weather conditions? And that's what I judge as as a good, a top-class nine. And I feel like uh, Quail and Blade, good scorer, but I felt at times his consistency rock to rock from a pass perspective for me is, has been up and down and fluctuated a bit. So that's something I feel that would, would be a, a thing he needs to... He's obviously listening to this and looking for coaching advice off me, obviously. But you know what I mean. Well, As that's, in that, that's, that's, why we're, that's why we're heading to Connacht. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm bald and I'm bald and I've got a beard. If I show up there in yeah. Connacht here, he might even listen to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I like it. That, that's kind of just been my opinion on 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 nines in general. And I feel that Quail and Blade sometimes can fall into that that trap of score tries, but some of the consistency rock truck isn't there. Yeah, and I think with Marmion gone to Bristol this season as well, they don't necessarily have the depth that they did, and they'll be looking for a couple, one at least one of those young nines to sort of to push on through. Um, Connacht face Glasgow on Saturday afternoon. Glasgow, Actually, I meant to ask uh, you, what did you make of the of the pitch side interviews? Standard of those during this game. I thought the questions were very nicely put, yeah. very well presented. Yeah. Um. Uh, fantastic, had, fantastic Irish, I think. Whoever, yeah. whoever it was, Wh- whoever that was, yeah. Jake, you know, do you know what I felt? <laughs> Deceptively short, I found with this guy. Yeah, very short, short. Decept- thought, Deceptively yeah. short. I because I, I thought listening to that guy, that that could, guy's he probably could, he could be six foot, six relatively foot, six tall, one, yeah. relatively yeah. tall. But I figured, do you know what? Actually, no, actually, no, actually, quite a bit smaller than what I thought, which was interesting. I felt. And um, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely not the tallest. I no, I would, I would, I would take away would agree. Even yeah. even with hair, which I feel is important to measure somebody, not how tall them and their hair are, it's how tall their body is. I feel that that person would be a shorter than, for example, just around, just for me, than me, for example. I think that person would be shorter than I am. But that's just you know that's something I felt was interesting looking at the game and listening to the to. to you know the post match uh, and the sideline commentary. I felt that that was that was interesting. Yeah, we could see um, could see Jeff wearing one of those. What you call it? The um, the hats from the uh, the Kings Guards <laughs> 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 on his next TG Car gig. Well, look, um, at least at least Jeff has going for him that he doesn't look like a fucking like a goblin eating chicken curry. All right. Well, that's it. Maybe, maybe that's something we can a task we can get them to do on TV. So try try and look eloquent eating eating something. Try and eat something, and and try not to look like you're just a feral animal, like a fucking rat eating it out of the, out of the bin <laughs> in his little paws. That's what I look like. <laughs> and i going back to a very old episode of Peace Up. What he needs to do is grab a handful of chips and eat it like an apple. <laughs> Who are Connacht playing this weekend? They are playing uh, Glasgow. Um, Glasgow beat Leinster 43-25 uh, this weekend. We'll get on to that game in a bit more. So a good start for them. Um, <clears throat> they're taking, well, they're they're continuing on. They're, they're good form from last season uh, before the uh, the champions 
beat them before they, they were beaten by the reigning defending URC champions in their home and, stadium and still um yes so um for Connacht Jack Carty is actually out for a couple of weeks now with some sort of uh yeah face laceration I don't know what I didn't see it actually happening but JJ hit him a uh, box of training <laughs> Someone said it was Jeff, but I didn't believe that. Yeah, no, I wouldn't believe it. Um, little, little fella like that, he wouldn't be able to. <laughs> he jumped up and headbutted him. <laughs> um, um, against Glasgow, yeah. is it that that's in Glasgow? Um, no, that is in Sports Ground. I think. Well, that, think that. do you know what? That game could have easily opened the season, as it often has. No, I think I think Connacht are in the sports ground again for that. Yeah, they are in the sports ground. Yeah, yeah it's in the sports ground on Saturday afternoon. So, um, Connacht at home without Carty, Glasgow. I feel like it's going to be a high scoring game. Yeah, again, um, same thing as I said for Zebra Ulster last week. Take the overs on it, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. They, um, I think Glasgow are in decent form as well. I, I don't know. Geez, I, I back Connacht though. I think they have that look of momentum about them. In the early season, and I know Glasgow do as well, but I just feel that um, Connacht seem to be in a good place. They've got you know good core players there available to them. They've been training away grand. Yeah, I think I think they should na- a narrow win for Connacht. I would say. I think so. Glasgow obviously should have their internationals back. They had some of them back for the for the first round, um, and that proved a turning point. I don't think. I don't think the Irish internationals will be back next week. I think it's week th- round three. I think or four. I think three or four, but even then, like some of the heavy usage guys won't be back until be I'd back. say a bit after than that. But we'll see. Yeah, so I think yeah, like Savaki won't be there or Hansen, but um, see who who they can get back. Um, yeah, I I fancy Connacht to sneak this. I think like you, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Connacht win it or to see um. Glasgow. Me neither. Like I just think that they're obviously on a great run as well. But yeah, I think it'd actually be a really good game. I think like as in I think we the viewers will be the winners, really. <laughs> Rugby will be the winner. Rugby, Rugby. The sport. A good game of code. That's what we need. <laughs> so uh yeah, so with two for Connacht there. Um moving on then to uh and still. And still uh, and still. Um Munster, uh, the game we were both at, uh, Munster 34, Sharks 21. Uh, beautiful game played on uh, Saturday evening. Uh, it nice was evening. lovely evening. Yeah, we had lovely. Got evening. a little bit cold when the sun went down, as it always does, right. as it yeah. always does in Dublin Park. I've um, not, I didn't make that mistake this time, I was wearing two coats. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, well wrapped up. Um, I was. I was very impressed with a few players in this. I thought yeah, Carberry, Carberry started to find something re- resembling the form that he had previously. Yeah, um, no, he was he was looked, very sharp. He looked, he was making late passes on the gain line. He was really assessing mm-hmm. what was happening outside him, but he had the accuracy to find this, like find the the, the 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 targets he was going for. Even though he made that decision late, thought that was really good. Um. Edwin Adogbo stood out to me um, fuck, yeah. unbelievably so um, I thought that Fideen Witcherly Dermot Barron Gavin Coombs and Alex Kendallin had fantastic games for Munster from a physical perspective at the breakdown in particular Gavin Coombs' game is so complete now he might not have shown up with a whole ton of big huge ball carries or you know scored from close range but his work rate around the field at the breakdown he's playing like a second row and the, the the rocks he's hitting, the accuracy, the coverage that he has, really, really good. And Kendallin as well seemed to be like in a in a in a kind of a Vanderfleer esque style role. Looked really, really good, but comfortable carrying and clearing in the middle of the field, which I was very impressed with. Yeah, those guys previously Coombs would have been on the highlight reel scoring the tries and the big yeah. carries and stuff like that. Now it's doing a lot of the donkey work. A it lot of donkey work that doesn't doesn't get the praise necessarily. Oh no, it, it it doesn't show up in highlights. Like, no. and it it doesn't even show up until you kind of properly watch the game back. 
you see there he is at that breakdown. There he is at that breakdown again. There he is winning that breakdown after somebody else had a not a great clean. They were there first, but he came in and won it. Very, very good. Finney Mitchell had a lot of those as well, actually. And I was so impressed. Number one, like a dog boy, you look at it, it's it was really complete in terms of the power that he brings, both in contact, in mall. Um interesting that he was um scrumming down on the loose head side behind Josh Witcherly to give him that extra bit of power. And plus as well, lighten the load on him a small bit. So that again, because there's a little bit more of a you know, it, the difference is marginal, but it does show up where if you're scrummaging mm-hmm. on the tight head side as opposed to the loose head side. Not that I've ever been tall enough to ever do that, but still, it's like it it does. There's a tax on the tight head side that maybe isn't there as much on the loose head side. Mm. The ball carrying from Ebony Dogbo for me was super impressive. Where by midway through this, the, the first half, the Sharks were throwing three forwards at him to stop him, and they weren't. <laughs> Like, he is such a deceptively powerful ball carrier in that he just keeps going. There was one in particular, I think I put it up on Twitter, where he just took the ball, chucked it up off off nine, and it took three of the Sharks to prevent him getting over the gain line. But he only missed the gain line, I'd say, by, you know, 30 centimeters, maybe less. And just that that, that sort of power is so rare. It so is. And what, I, what I like about it is he doesn't need a big run up or to be hitting the line at pace to Absolutely get Absolutely not. Like the lad, be, it's, like it's the lad from is, the standstill. He's like there was he took one pass in the build up to the try he scored, where he's basically at a stand like he's standing still and he takes a pop pass off nine. And the the sharks hooker, not a small man, tackles him and misses. But then I think one of their back rows, I think, I'm not sure, I'm not sure who it was. I'm not sure it was Vincent uh, Shitsuka on the field at this point or not. I'm not sure, but tried to tackle him. Could not stop him. He just, he just drove through him. And it's like, that's from a standing start. Like, you're not supposed to get over the gain line from there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're, you're supposed to, okay, look, now we're over here. This is where the gain line goes. Like, he, again, very, very impressive. I'd love to see something like a, an NFL style rating for him or yeah sort of um numbers for him for for what the the nfl thing is yak yards after contact yeah call it for rugby something like that and he was, what I was very very good what i was really impressed with was um the way he was able to do even off static ball the little show and go yeah. so he, he he'd have the ball and suddenly he'd, he'd place it in front like he was going to do a little pullback pass or screen pass and then just pull it back in and take yeah. the two or three guys and, in and, contact. And his passing was very impressive as well, I felt. Um, Dermot Barron, I thought, had a very complete game as well. One or two yeah. malfunctions in the lineout, Um, But some of those I felt were a little bit pernickety. Like they could have been like, like there was a few not straight ones that I felt, you know, come on. But, you know, other than that, I felt Dermot Barron had a very, very complete game as well. Looks like he's packed on a few extra kg as well, which I felt were were, were needed. Um, it looks all the better for us. Just a very, very good, like a really good performance from Munster that they look back on and think we should have won by more. I think so. I think the... the and the and by two, the way, the Sharks were really good. The Sharks, the sharks were good. Were, they were not bad at all. Two, before we get on to the Sharks a bit more, um, the two other players that I wanted to call out, number one was Shane Daly who Gendelli. was immense. His footwork, particularly just pre-contact, very, very that good. soft shoulder was unbelievable. Shea McCarthy is going to be some player. He is very, very good. He's very strong. He's very quick. His work at the breakdown is very aggressive. Um, Good player. Very, very good young player. He, he, he did very well, I thought. Um, and... The other one that I wanted to call out was, well, good to see Andrew Conway back and scoring. Fantastic, yeah. But the other one that I wanted to call out actually was Ethan Collin. Um, Fair fucks to him. I, what I a big game to, for him. 
if if he has a um, a South African granny, he could he could make the next World Cup squad as one of their seven scrum halves that they bring. <laughs> they will be able to bring extra scrum halves. They're going to bring in a law for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the fact he he played well, did really well as you know, young um, sort of scrum half came in, did well, thought his passing was decent, gave, did some, um, took the right options most of the time that he was there, played really well. And then he had to come back on and play on the wing. I've seen him strike. do that a few times for Munster A, you know, and these look really good because again, he's, he's he's nippy, he's quick, yeah, tricky, like a little <laughs> rock goblin. That's, that's what they do. They're tricksy little fellas. Well, if Munster want to go six two, he's he's getting his bench option. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like that's the like it's it's great to see a young fellow like that because for me, like like as I said there earlier, like for scrum halves, especially young scrum halves, it's so easy to come onto a game like that and one mistake sends you off into this fucking spiral and you're playing like absolute shite and then you get taken off. So easy to happen. Like he didn't play the perfect game, but he just kept rock. A rock after rock after rock good decision good decision good decision and execution was good pass quality was was good like for a young, a young player his age it was good not perfect but good um, so yeah great to see because this is a guy who you have Casey you have Murray um, you have Paddy Patterson who's injured who probably would have started this game if he was fit then you have like Ethan Coughlin you have Neil Cronin as well who's on a short term deal but for Ethan Coughlin fair play to him because that this is a fellow who's you know, we'll say fourth in, in the depth chart there and came up and played a really good against a physical opposition who got a hold of him a few times and, and you know, gave him a rattle a few times. Did really well, I felt. Yeah. And in, in that sort of depth chart thing, you would have said, okay, definitely Paddy Patterson would have would have held third there. No, no questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, now, now Patterson is suddenly worrying, okay, how can I get myself back when I'm fit? How can I get back into that third spot and make, make sure it's mine again and continue to push on? That, that's a great thing for a monster to have down the depth chart. Um, Us as well, I felt it's important to note that um, Kieran Ryan, who came off the bench, um, looks like a bouncer, which I think is a super important quality for any prop to have. I want my props looking like bouncers and he looks yeah. like a bouncer. Just, just stand there and go. Not tonight, son. Not tonight, lads. Not tonight. Not tonight. Not today. But like you look at John Ryan, felt he did well off the bench. Stephen Archer had a cracking game as well with the breakdown. Like he's yeah. in again and scrummaged really well against um Machunu, which we expected he would because he does really well against tall loose heads, and he did that here. Um, but yeah, really good performance, Munster overall. Very, very lots to like. Yeah. Now Munster play Benetton on Sunday lunchtime. A, a game I believe you're going to? Uh, yeah, well, at the moment, if I can recover from my sickness and little little one is not sick, then yes. Um, the um, That's a tricky game. It will be. Benetton, they beat Cardiff in Cardiff 23-22. Uh, last kick Red of the game. Board. More or less last kick of the game. Kick of the game. Worst red card I've seen in oh, that, yeah. years. Worst tackle I've, that's one of the worst I've ever seen when it comes to like what the fuck was that? Like you nearly give them the red card straight away on seeing that. You don't even need a replay. No, no, I know the the UFC don't have the bunker in play, but um definitely like there was no need to refer that. That was just yeah. Yeah, it's Bad. like and look, and you know, like it like he didn't want to go out there and brain your man obviously but like he's in that's the that's a shocker of a tackle but anyway Benetton got a good win regardless um, against you know a tough place to go Cardiff I, I think for me Cardiff is a very tough place to go um, and I think looking at Munster on on um, on Sunday a difficult game that's a tough away game Benetton is always tricky they've got a lot of their internationals back Um. That's a, a big game to back up this game against the Sharks. Now, I I think I'd back Munster to win it, but it's a tough game. I think this look if if Munster want to be at the top, if they want to get a top four, top two finish, these are the games they have to win. Yeah, and look, it it comes down to that, and that's where Munster are as champions. That's where they where they are, where they want to be. 
and I think they'll have to go with that. Um, injury wise, Nash pulled out last minute. Um, against the Sharks, he should be good Didn't to go this week. Uh, yeah, because think, Mossy Lawler on the presser said he had a stiff neck, but he should be good to go. And then the other two was Fionn Gibbons got himself a bit of a a nasty um head wound. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, like, facial meant, injury. Well, he has. Yeah. I think I'm not sure if it's a HIA as well, but he had a facial injury or something he had to deal with. And Sean O'Brien um, is the other Sean O'Brien is a doubt, but they'll see how he's doing towards the like I mean he could he could feature. I'm gonna go Munster by yeah, five to seven points. I I I would say the same. I think that it's it's got a potential to be a high scoring game though, because Benetton when they get the you know get a bit of a, a pump on and get rolling, they tend to score try, especially at home. So uh I think it's gonna be a high scoring game back and forth a lot. Um yeah, but I'm going to go with a narrow monster win. Perfect. And then the final game from last weekend was Leinster um, away in Glasgow. They lost 43-25. That's, well, if you want to get technical, three three games on the bounce now they've lost. Three competitive games on the, on the bounce. Um, again, another strange, strange game. It's almost had the feel of a preseason to it. A certain extent, yeah. Like I saw Leinster in preseason. Um, I saw them play Munster uh, in Musgrave Park, and they won that game fairly, fairly comfortably. But they didn't in that game score all that much that Munster didn't hand them directly through mistakes. And in this game, I felt that Leinster struggled to create something in the middle of the field until they were given a penalty that they could then kick deep and then take the ball off the top maul pick and go 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 I felt that that was where they were able to play their most effective looking rugby and I think is like you could put out any flavour of Leinster team you know like Leo the Lion you know Austin Carl Kelly um, you know Bod take him out of retirement and they'd still look good like they would, they would still be able to play that game and and win, win against most teams. But in this game, I felt that their defense let them down uh, in a in a way we we don't typically see. Now there was lots of young players there that they were, that they were playing too, but there was a fair bit of experience as well. We can't just kind of gloss over that just because Leinster lost. I think there's a sometimes I think people could be a little bit too quick to go. Oh, but look, the young players are there. You know, I, I, I think mean, that's they had they had they had a, they had I, a I fair bit of experience there. I don't think it's the young players necessarily this year. I think, like, if you look at their squad, the churn isn't in the players. The churn is in the management. And I think what you're looking at there is, and they've talked about it, that the likes of um, Jacques Nienaber and um, Goodman and, and these guys have been working from afar because of the World Cup obligations. And yeah. I think... Well, Goodman was back. He was actually back on... He was back for this game this week he was he, back, he yeah. back for the game but I think a lot of the yeah. work that they would have tried to, to put in over pre-season may have been disrupted yeah or, uh, or was being you know laid out in advance and being observed by others yes and I, I think it's it's just going to take a little while to bet in mm-hmm. um, would be my way my way of seeing it it's it's nothing that I think they can't sort out I just think that oh, there's yeah. going to be there's, there's going to be a little bit more um Variance, I think, in their performance. Yeah, for the like first, for the first cup for the first month or two, I'd say. I think as well. See like, a bit more. You look at, like, Leinster will. I mean, they they lost this game, but like, you look at the, the the young players they have coming through. Like, there's some really good young players there that I think played well even in defeat. Um, but I think you look at at Leinster and and you look at their their overall performance. Um, that's I mean. Th- Lots to like in some ways. Like they were they were they were bad in the de- in defense. And I think that their the mistakes they made in attack will really frustrate them. Especially considering the likes of, you know, they had Harry Byrne, they had Charles Natai, Kieran Frawley. I think weirdly enough they'd missed the likes of Dave Kearney in a game like this. Yeah, um, I don't think Larmer offers them the same in terms of being the, that experienced winger. Not the I same think. type of coverage, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I think Dave Kearney covered a lot more than just his own game. With the, mm. the 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 experience he had, um, but 
like you know you had Ross Maloney there I think you had Jason Jenkins you had a couple of other guys you know Max Deegan Scott Penny like these are all like good players you know obviously they've been involved at international level or, or close enough to it but yeah no I just I just feel that as you said there there's going to be a bit more of a fluctuation of performance from Leinster because like if you go back last year they played Benetton I think in the opening game of the season now a lot of their internationals weren't available then either and Len- Leinster could have lost that game against Benetton last season obviously they went on to have a great year they won that game but to lose this game I don't think it's going to be massively damaging do you know like obviously they would prefer the win they don't want to be getting zero points from a game like this but um, on paper just before the game Glasgow for me were stronger on paper like you look at the the front five they had out you look at the just like their team to me would look stronger because Leinster yeah. have a lot of good young players. I think if you like take out the expectation that Paddy McCarthy will be a regular Irish international in, you know, whenever, <laughs> next spring, whenever it is, uh, or like Jack Boyle will be the same and all these other fellas. I think if you just take out that expectation and look at the guys they are now, where this guy's making his senior debut and so is that guy. And this fella is 20. Like you've Sam Prendergast on the bench coming on and he had some good moments. But like he's not going to turn that game around for you. If you look at the expectation that's on these guys and forget mm. and, and and take it off the table, you'd say, well, Glasgow are actually much stronger than Leinster here, so they should win, and they did. Yeah, and I I think some of that comes down to the Leinster system covers an awful lot of weak points, you know, within players and and um, individuals. The the collective covers that. I think when you start to make changes to the system, it can open up things. And as you say, when it's the younger players in there, maybe the gaps get that that little bit wider um, and allow that. I think Leinster still have problems in terms of the opening few games until they get their players back because they have a very, very raw front row. Yeah, they were, they were pumped in this game and, and nearly... They didn't nearly get punished as much as maybe they could have been. Yeah, and I think the scrum, the scrum was nasty for a while. And like I watched Jack Boyle last year, and look, it wasn't all on Jack Boyle. I thought that um, young Clarkson didn't have a great game either. Yeah, but I looked at I look at Jack Boyle last year for he was playing Con. I think he's with was he is with is with UCD. He's with UCD. Um, and I remember him getting absolutely melted by Con in the scrum last season. Now this now this last season. But then he went on in the same game to score an absolutely ridiculous try with the physicality that he has. He's a really good young player. And I think Paddy McCarthy is the same in that they're two fantastic power athletes. But I think both will have issues in the scrum for a while. And there's no kind of getting around that. They just kind of have to go through it and hope that it doesn't become a costly thing in their game. I think that's to me that's the Leinster development system and the pathway. You you pick players and it's you're almost going <clears throat> right. You have this body shape, body height. You have these metrics in terms of your performance and your output. Therefore, we're going to put you into this position. Because like and Paddy McCarthy to me looks, he's like he's like around what six two, six three. They were thereabouts mm. around that size. They were playing him at tight head. He was playing a tight head for the Irish in their twenties for a bit before they switched him over. I remember thinking him looking at him on tight head. He's too narrow to play to be a tight head. I hope they don't keep him there. And when they move him over to loose head, it's almost like, well, you've got more freedom around the pitch as a loose head. But the problem is, and you can play lighter as a loose head as well, which I think would I think will suit him ultimately. But both guys have issues in the scrum, as you said there, because I don't think they're selected because of scrummaging first. And that's, that's like, I mean, we've said in this podcast, God, and you know so many times, but the scrum doesn't matter until it does. And I think we've seen when the margins get tight and the games get really important and they're really narrow, the, the like the, the, the scoreboard is very, very, is very thin. That's when the scrum really matters. And it doesn't matter in a league game, really. Because yeah, you might, you might win or lose it or whatever, but there's always another game. 
when it gets down to knockout rugby against a team that's very close to you physically, the scrum straight away becomes a massive deal where all of a sudden scrum first is actually, fuck, that really is important. And it came down to the, when in the, the Glasgow game at the weekend, it came down to every time there was a scrum, you were pretty much going, okay, Glasgow are going to get something off this. Hang on a second there now. Hang on a minute there. Take for territory. The giggling, is, the giggling's actually stopped. I'm going to try and take Jeff off mute here now and just see if we can hear him. He must, he's oh. off his meeting with, the, there he is. So you finally Ooh, put. Look the, at that hair. Look at this. Finally, look at this. My God! Oh my 4K, God! 4K, well worth stunning. it. That my is God. stunning, man. Stunning. My God! Is that a face tattoo? Nice. Oh, how are we? Grace, you're looking great. You're you're, you're looking great. Obviously, yeah, looking, looking fabulous. Obviously. Fabulous, there, Jeff. Looking fabulous. Yeah, oh, you've had a nice obviously. time there obviously. playing playing with the puppy. We, I, I hope you like. We got a Labrador. You seem to like it. Uh yeah. Yeah, big yeah. fan of the new dog. Yeah, he's giggling away all the sure we had to mute you. That's why we were we had to yeah. unmute you there. You're giggling away all night. But I wouldn't fun. get too emotionally attached either because um my laptop has about four percent battery left and I don't know where the charger is. So <laughs> um a flying visit. <laughs> a flying visit. Very much. What what game are we talking about? One of the, ones you, one of the ones you didn't see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've only seen one game. We've just finished up on the Glasgow Leinster game and we're moving on to their um, preview of them and the Sharks. I'm just going to start into that now. Oh, preview. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, Glas- uh, Leinster lost 43 25 to Glasgow. Sharks lost 34 21 to Munster. Um, but as myself and Tom were talking about, um, Sharks actually looked somewhat decent. Um, on the injury front, uh, Keen Healy's out with a shoulder injury. And as we've just talked about there, Leinster do have the front row problems. I think they'll be hoping that someone like uh, Michael Alatour or someone like that might be back, but I'm sort of help beef that up. Or That'd be- um, Ed Byrne. Is he out? Um, he must be. Otherwise, I think he would have been considered yeah, was, yeah, last week. Would have been, yeah. But yeah, I think the Sharks are looked proper physical last week, and they have the recipe to fuck you up in the scrum as well, which could be a, a, a an ingredient in this game. Yeah, it's 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 an in. It's the sort of thing that if you're dominant in in that one platform you just take it you kick it 40 50 meters down the line you get yourself the possession back from the line out um and the scrum only matters when the scrum matters as we've said um so i think from that point of view i think it's going to be a close game i think um i'm going to go i'm going to go for the, for the sharks i'm going to yeah, like I just, I just think you look at the, you look at the, the purely on vibes, <laughs> purely vibe. You know, like I think it'll, it'll be a really important win for Leinster if they can actually win it because I think the Sharks mm. will, like they, they look at last week, they'll be thinking, "Fuck, we left that lot of that game away from us in, in Tolman Park," but like we have a recipe against uh, Leinster that they'll think that they can really hit home. Like they'll they'll think that they'll have an advantage there, physically in some aspects of that game, where they can really hurt Leinster. Whereas typically they might not, but I think they'll really back themselves there. I think that um, I'm going to go with a, a kind of a Sharks win, just because I feel that aspects of their set piece, not just a scrum, because like it'd be I think it'd be it's almost it, it, it sometimes it's a bit hopium to go well the scrum is going to play a huge factor in this game and then you know you might have three scrums do you know what I mean so like mm-hmm. I just think that the the the, the Sharks set piece and some of their face play in 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 Tolman Park was actually very very strong um and with another you know it's their second week on tour um I think they'll be a little bit better again so I think they'll be I think they'll be they'll be a tough team for Leinster to beat especially if they've got a very inexperienced team out there yeah, and that, that's the way. What I'm looking at is... Jeff, looking, by the way, he's, he's uh, after picking up the puppy again there, so I've just muted him. So. 
he's gone again. Okay. Yeah. I I looked I look back at where Glasgow caused Leinster problems. So you look at the set piece, Leinster Leinster were good at the line out, but the scrum got demolished. I think the Sharks can hit them at the scrum again. Yeah. I think the the Sharks have a they have a solid enough line out. And also in their phase play, they they can get to the edge and they have the players similar to Glasgow that are um that can cause um Leinster problems in midfield and, and wide. When they brought on Jens van Rensburg um off the bench, I thought the Sharks straight away looked much, much better in Tolman Park. Mm-hmm. And if they can bring that physicality, um they have like I mean they have weapons to hurt to hurt Leinster. So like it could be a tough enough day for 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 if they go with a young Leinster team, um, mm. which I think you know depending on who they have available, you know whoever's there is there, that could be a tough day at the office for them. I think it could be one of those games where strip out the future and on paper the Sharks can actually look stronger on paper going into this game than than what Leinster would. Yeah, um, I think what is it? The bookies have Leinster as eighteen points favorites for this game. Which seems wildly inaccurate. Um, I, I don't. I think it'll be a hell of a lot closer than that. I think if the Sharks do win, it'll, it's going to be, a score in it. Um, yeah, I reckon. I reckon it'll be tight enough. But like, as in, there's 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 pressure there, especially on the likes of of Harry Byrne and and maybe Kieran Frawley to control the game a bit better than what they did last week. Same with Luke McGrath. I felt he was very up and down. I thought the young player. What was he? Is it Cormac Foley, was it? Cormac Foley, yeah. yeah. I thought he yeah, actually looked nine. very handy yeah. off the bench. Um, I think you just need, like you said there earlier, I think they just need their the senior players that they had there Stand to kind of have it, maybe have a bit, a bit a bit more of an impact on these games because that's kind of that's always been the role of those senior guys in and around this time of year is to kind of guide them through. You now, look, Leinster have lost a lot of those players through some of them have aged out over over the last couple of years. Likes of Dave Carney were very important to them, likes of Scott Fardy. Um, you know that that's going back a year or two now, maybe a bit more. But like, these are guys who helped them through those games. Now the standard of opposition is stronger. Uh, in these kind of you know weird kind of games where you don't have your full squad available to you, but this is a big challenge for them at home. Like it's a big big challenge, and I think that the young fellas will show up and 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 like they'll they'll if not perform at top level. You'll get enthusiasm off them. You'll get athleticism. You'll get power, especially off these young front fives they have. What's his name? What Rory Maguire is it? Off their big young tight head they have right off the bench. Yeah. I like the look of him. Um, and I thought Jack Boyle like didn't have a great day in the scrum, but looked good in the loose. Same with with Paddy McCarthy. Um, but yeah, look, I think that it's going to be a big challenge for him. Not sure they're going to be eighteen points favorites. I mean, look who knows? Look at Leinster. They, they might they might do that, but. I just, for me, I just see it being a very, very physical game. And if it gets down to the set piece being really important, I think that there's a far bigger chance of the Sharks winning than, than what there is Leinster. But we'll see how it plays out. Okay. So uh, who are you going for? Do you say? I'm going to go with a, a Sharks win, just a narrow Sharks sure. win. I'd say under seven points. Perfect. Okay, um, last week we had the competition and our winner is Patrick Chan. Uh, Patrick, get in touch with us and we'll sort you out with two tickets to a provincial game. We'll round it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen as it really helps and also be sure to share the podcast on social media. Hope you have a good week and maybe three of us will be back next week to chat again. Mm-hmm.